For some, Christmas is a magical time. <laughs> How many have kids? You guys are just starting over here, you know. And, and when your daughter gets around, little Paisley gets around that tree, and she sees all those presents, and her eyes get like this big, it just does something to you as a parent. I love Christmas, and, and we've had so many wonderful Christmases. And, you know, with four boys, we've got video of our kids just going crazy when they came out and saw what they got. And you know what? I just thank the Lord that we had the finances to be able to do that. But I want to say this. For some, Christmas is a difficult time. It, it's not so magical. And especially if you're a person who has lost a loved one during this season or recently. And so your Christmas is going to be a little bit empty this year. Whatever one thinks of this holiday, we should all remember that it's not about what one gets under the tree, nor is it about who is missing. Rather, it's about what God has already given, His Son, Jesus Christ. Christmas is a celebration of the birth of our Lord and Savior. What was impossible for man, hallelujah, we couldn't get rid of our sins if we tried. We can't do enough good to earn our place in heaven if we tried. What was impossible for man is very possible for God. Hallelujah. And Christmas should be a reminder of God's love and how He made the impossible possible. Amen? Are you with me? So with that thought, impossible things. There's actually a website, 10 Things That Are Impossible. Oops, I should have gone there first. That's the title of today's message. Somebody asked me that earlier. Here we go. Top 10 things that are impossible to do. For example, licking your own elbow. Go ahead. Now, let me, let me tell you, let me tell you, unless you're, what's his name, Gene Simmons, yeah. And, and what I found out was he had surgery to extend his tongue, which I'm like, I didn't know that, but that's kind of wild. So unless you're kind of like that person, uh, you're not going to be able to do it. Another impossible thing, to read with your eyes shut. <laughs> now, unless you read Braille. But that's not what I'm saying. You can't, you can't read, read with your eyes shut, right? How about travel at the speed of light? How many would like to do that? I don't know what it'd do for us. Probably get us in more trouble. The speed of light is 186,280 miles per second. That's fast. And Usain Bolt, he's not there, but to do a two-minute mile, see, he didn't do it, but he did it in three minutes and 43 seconds. He's the closest to doing a two-minute mile. So it's impossible for you and I, human beings, to be able to run that distance. 
in two minutes. Here's a fun one. To stand at the checkout at the supermarket and not look at what's in the person I had to use cart. <laughs> Try it. It's impossible. You're going to look. I'm telling you. That's just a handful of things that are possible. There's more, but of course, that's all I had time for today. What about the Bible? Think about all the impossibilities that are in the Bible. Things that God made possible through the miraculous. Are you with me? For instance, God made a, and, and if you, you know what, what story this is or who the person is, just ho- shout it out. God made a man out of dirt. Adam, of course. How about this? This dude made a, a giant wooden boat. You didn't let me finish. So that he, his families, and, and his family and family animals would survive the torrential floods that were coming. God had, had literally had enough. And he questioned why he even made man to begin with, and he said, you know what, I'm going to deal with this. I'm just starting over. So he started over with Noah and the animals. Wow, that's pretty cool. How about this? An old man, almost 100, and an old woman at 90 had a baby, and his name was Isaac. Of course, Isaac was the, the seed that the beginning of the seed that God had promised, and through his lineage, it led up to Jesus. That's pretty cool. I'm going to share some other things here in just a minute. How about the two and a half million men, women, and children that were running away from an Egyptian army, hot on their heels, an angry Egyptian army? It's kind of like, have you ever stirred up a hornet's nest? Man, those things find you. You know, I remember the one time I had to literally jump in the lake to get away from them. That was the only place I was safe. And uh, the, the Israelites were running away from the Egyptians in their chariots, fat, fast on their heels. And of course, God did the miraculous when he parted the Red Sea. And they're, they're finding evidence of this yet today. Uh, certain archaeological things, which to me, just, it's awesome. And then there's this. And I mentioned this last week. 127 direct predictions about the coming Messiah. Now you might look at this and think, well, yeah, but that doesn't, that, that, that's no big deal, you know, when you compare that to a giant ark or the Red Sea getting flooded. But listen, here, here's the thing. The chance of eight of these predictions coming to pass is one in ten to the 17th. That's 17 zeros. And you might say, well, big deal. 
let me say this. If you add eight more, so if 16 of these predictions came to pass, what would that mean? That would be 1 in 10 to the 45th for 16 predictions to have come to pass. These are the mathematical statistics. Look at all those zeros. That's a lot of zeros. Why am I sharing this with you? When God told us that he was sending a Messiah, a Savior, a Deliverer, way ahead of time, it was nothing short of miraculous. And as you can see by the mathematical statistics, it was impossible. But God did it not eight times, not 16 times, but as I already said, he did it 127 times directly and indirectly, I talked about this, over 400. That's a lot of promise that came to pass. Prophecy. When you do the math, one quickly sees just how impossible it was unless you're God. <laughs> you got to add that part. Unless you're God. It's impossible unless you're God. And let me just say this. How many are in a really tough place right now? You don't have to raise your hand, but it's impossible but for God. You may be getting stretched. Your faith may be increasing through this. You probably don't like it, but it's necessary. And in the end, what you're going to see is if you don't give up, if you don't give up the faith, what was impossible for you, God will make possible. Amen. And we've, we've seen this, Barb and I have seen this over and over and over in our own personal lives. Miracle on top of miracle. And, and you know, I've shared many of them with you. And one of my favorites was the, the Christmas miracle back in the day. And all the neighbors, and we lived in the trailer park at campus in Springfield, Missouri, and all the neighbors were excited about the fact that some church brought a whole bunch of boxes and, and put them on their doorstep, and they were like what's waiting out there for somebody. A turkey, a ham, and all the fixings for that dinner for Christmas. And my son came in, and he said, Dad, they forgot us. Now, our trailer was newer. So they thought, well, they're probably fine. They've got money. We, we had a, a vehicle that ran, <laughs> and it didn't have rust all through it. So they're probably thinking, ah, oh, they're good. But what they didn't know, we were trying to raise four boys on minimum wage as we were going to school. And I told my son, I said, look, just, just go, go pray. Go ask the Lord just to show up. He'll provide. Don't look to the church here. Look up. So he did that. He went off to his room, and, and my wife and I were both praying, Lord, 
don't let that little boy down. <laughs> you know, because we're like, he needs to see you move. The next week, I got this uh, little coupon in my mailbox on campus, and it said, please come to the front. You have a, a delivery. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I went up and said, hey, I got this in the box, and it says I get, I, there's something. Oh, you're the one. <laughs> like, okay. She goes, you're going to need a cart. I said, what? She goes, oh, it's heavy. And I'm just looking at her like, what is it? She goes, come here. And she took me in the back, and there on this dolly were four boxes, big boxes. And they each weighed 40 pounds, maybe. And I'm just thinking, and it cost this lady probably more to ship it than what it was worth. But what was in it, and we didn't know this, we, we took it all home and we opened up one of them. What was in it was, guess, a Christmas meal. And then some. When we first saw what it was, we stopped right there. And we waited until my son got home from school that day and we said, hey Joe, got something for you. He goes, what? I said, this came today. Special delivery. He goes, what is it? And I said, go look. And he, he opened the first box and you saw his eyes get big. He said, Dad, who sent this? And I said, some lady who doesn't even know us felt compelled from the Lord to give to a campus family. She lived in Pennsylvania. And she sent these four big boxes full of everything. And then there was a check in there so we could go and buy the perishables, the, turtle, the turkey and, and whatever, you know, milk and eggs. And I'm telling you, Joe, Joey just was like, wow, Dad, God heard my prayer. What was impossible was so possible for God. And he used some lady that lived 1,100 miles away to bless that little boy in his faith. That was pretty cool. The prophets predicted up to 300 times or more the fact that Yahweh was going to send a Savior. Nothing short of the miraculous. As I said, 127 direct predictions. As an example of one of them, Isaiah 7, 13 and 14, it says this, Listen well, you royal family. So he's, he's talking to David's family because God said, I'm going to send a deliverer and he's going to come from the line of David. So they're waiting. All right, who's this dude going to be? Who is this king going to be? And, and as the video in the beginning showed, they expected him to be something much more than what actually came. So let me finish this up. Listen well, you royal family of David. Isn't it enough to exhaust human patience? Must you exhaust the patience of my God as well? All right then, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him what? Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Hallelujah. Isaiah wrote this around 700 B.C. 
All right, just rounding up the numbers, 700 years before the event actually took place, Isaiah's predicting it right down to how it's going to happen. She will conceive a child as a virgin. Now, you got to admit, that's miraculous. No woman has a baby and remains a virgin. Hallelujah. You did that, didn't you? You already had it. You already had it turned back for me. Thank you for that. He's staying ahead of me. I wasn't prepared for that. Thank you. (laughs) Got your back, Pastor. (laughs) What are signs for? Have you ever driven south and you see that gigantic electronic thing down by grilling that's and usually the message is silly. Anyway, you know, buckle up. That's the big one, yeah. That's usually what you see. But what's it for? To tell you things you might need to know, right? To show you things that might be coming down the road. And, and I think that was the intention of that, is if there's an accident way down the road, it'll give you a chance to shift gears a little bit, slow down a little bit, or maybe even take an alternate route. That's what signs are for. Prophecy is just like that. God wanted His people to know, listen, you may feel like you are in darkness and there's no way out, but listen to me, I am sending the Messiah and He is going to bring you hope. Nothing short of a miracle when you think about it. 700 years before it happened, Yahweh was going to send a Savior. We read this a week ago, Isaiah 43. Do you remember this? Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you perceive it? What do you think this is talking about? Who do you think this is talking about? Hello? It's like, cricket. Jesus! The coming Messiah! Most agree that this is one of those indirect predictions of the Savior. God was saying to the Israelites, just forget about all the stuff in the past. That did make you who you are, but it's in the past. What I want you to see is I'm going to do something new and it's going to spring up, meaning quickly, and you are going to be so blessed as a result of it. And he goes into how he will make a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And trust me, their souls felt that way prior to Jesus coming. Our souls feel that way yet today prior to accepting what Jesus did for us on the cross. Do you agree? Just forget about it. Don't dwell on what has happened in the past. Instead, look at what I'm doing in the now. Look at what God's doing in your life today. As I said, most feel that that new thing 
that springing up thing was none other than Jesus Christ. God sent a Savior, and he talked about this again, and I'm, I'm grabbing these from Isaiah in order because this is how the people would have heard these things. When he prophesied these things, they would have heard them in, these order, in this order. But one of the, the most famous heart-wrenching scriptures, in, in my opinion, <laughs> it brings me to tears every time I read it because I think he did that for me. Isaiah 53. Who has believed our message? Isaiah is asking this. To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? Who's his arm? Who's sitting at the right hand of God? Jesus. That's his powerful arm. My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful about him or majestic about his appearance. Nothing that would attract us to him. Think about this. The Israelites were expecting this Madonna of a king to come and to save them. God didn't even send a good-looking Jesus. I'm not going to say he was homely, but certainly he wasn't all that. Because God didn't want them to be attracted to Him for how He looked. He wanted them to be attracted to Him for what He represented. He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. Hear me today. I don't care what you're going through. It will never, ever exceed what Jesus went through for you and me. What does that mean? It means that He knows your pain. And when you suffer, He's suffered for that. We turned our backs on Him and looked the other way. He was despised, and we didn't care. Now, again, He's talking to Israelites. All right? This is, this is where they were at back then. They, they weren't serving the Lord like they should have been. And he's just saying, you know what, you're going to turn your back on them. And we do that very same thing today. Verse 4, Yet it was our weakness He carried. It was our sorrows that weighed Him down. And we thought His troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for His own sins, and they did. They thought the reason Jesus went to the cross was because He had sinned. But what does this say? But He was pierced for our rebellion. Point to yourself and say, mine. Mine. Say it again. Mine. It's my sin, not His. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. This is the God that we serve. And that last verse that I'm going to share from this, all of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths.
to follow our own. Yet the Lord, <laughs> but God, let, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He didn't deserve it. He was righteousness 100%. And yet God laid our sins on him. He took our punishment so that we wouldn't have to. Who was this amazing person? <laughs> Jesus. 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 Oh. That same suffering servant that Isaiah predicted would come, would spring up and bring you and me life. The gospel says he was the way, the truth, and the life. That's Jesus. That's our Jesus. Let's jump to the birth. Luke 1, I'm going to read from today. You know what I love about this? When, and God did this twice. He did it first in Elizabeth. And then he did it with Mary. But with Elizabeth, she and her husband couldn't have a baby. She was, her womb was barren. <laughs> but God. And when God, when God touched her womb, the Bible says her son, who was going to be called John the Baptist. All right, you're good. You got it. He was filled with the Holy Spirit from that moment forward. He already got it. When he hit the ground, he was already speaking in tongues. He... I, that's, that's a little far, but you get what I'm saying? He was full of the Holy Ghost. Go back and read that. That's awesome. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. <laughs> Read that next verse. Confused and disturbed. Look at When you get this gigantic angel standing in front of you, what are you going to do? You're going you're gonna to probably look at that and go, what I do wrong? Is he here to eat me? I mean, who is this guy? Wow. I just couldn't imagine what this young lady was feeling. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. <laughs> I can't imagine. My head would be going in so many different directions if an angel had just spoken to me like that. 
I don't know if I could even put a sentence together. And then the next verse. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. Wow. To find favor with the Lord. What a place to be. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him? Jesus! Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Hallelujah. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Has that come to pass? No. Not yet. Is he ruling over Israel right now? But the day is coming when those Jewish people will turn to him in droves. And he will be their king forever. But in the meantime, the Lord substituted the Gentile people. Look at your neighbor and say, that's you and me. That's the non-Jew. And God poured out his blood for all of us. As a sin sacrifice once and for all. That's the good news. That's why Christmas is so special to us today. Mary asked the angel an obvious question. How? How is... How? I haven't slept with Joseph. (laughs) Uh Uh-uh. How is this going to happen? I'm a virgin. And the angel replied, Here we go. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called Son of God. Hallelujah. Hmm. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she's now in her sixth month. Read it. For nothing is impossible for God. Say that with me again. For nothing is impossible for God. Mary responded, I love this part. It shows her heart. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. Wow. Oh, that we would all be like that when God gives us something to do. I am your servant, Norman, and I will do whatever it is you have called me to do. This is the amazing story of the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus. What is impossible for man is not impossible for God. You know, some might look at the birth of Jesus and they might say, yeah, well, that's no great miracle today. We're able to do that today. We don't need a man. We just take the egg and, you know, do that little thing scientifically and boom, boom. Chuckalucka, we got a baby. That's, a, that's an RN laughing over there. But get it. 
We can do that today in, in a Petri dish, right? We can introduce all the necessary things. I'm trying not to get too far off here today. So you might say, well, that wasn't that big a deal. Here's the difference. <laughs> when we do that little thing in that Petri dish, or however it works, the boom chuckalucka thing, when we do that scientifically, both parties are all human. When God did this, when he took the egg in Mary, the 100% man, and then he did his magic, that was the 100% God part. And he combined them. This is where we get our theology that Jesus was 100% man and 100% God. He had to be both in order to be the Lamb of God who could take away the sin of the world. It took both sides. And he was able to do that because of the miracle that took place right there in Galilee. Hallelujah. I think that's pretty amazing. We ought to give God some glory. Here's what I believe this says to us as we look at all of this. What is in your past is in your past. Your past was never intended to keep you from your best. Your past was never intended to keep you from Christ in the present. Here it is. Christ is your present. Christ is your present. Pun intended. Your past was intended to lead you to Christ, the author and the giver of life. And once accepted, He fills you with the presence of God, with His Holy Spirit. A true gift that no man can give you. And that gift will give you the brightest future that anyone has ever had or could ever have. So hear me. If all the Old Testament prophets said what they said about the coming Messiah and they all came to pass, can you trust the Bible when Jesus said I have come to give you life and life to the full. Yes. That your name is now written in heaven. That when you die, when this body gives out, you are going to be with me for a little while. For a half a millennium. For an eternity. Can you wrap your mind around that? When you receive the gift of God, Jesus, you no longer have to fear sin and death. Before I knew Jesus, I was afraid of dying. I was afraid. Because I knew what was in store, even though... I didn't really know exactly how it was going to happen. I knew I was in trouble. But after I prayed, Jesus, 
Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins and make me that new person that only you can make me. Everything changed. I had a hope and a future because of Jesus. The present. My Christmas present. When you receive God's gift, you're able to walk in victory. This is a choice, by the way. Even though some of you have prayed that prayer, even though some of you have welcomed God into your life, you still don't walk in victory. It's a choice. And I'm going to get into this way deeper as we move into the new year. God is, is birthing some things in me right now. I'm going to tell you one of the titles that I'm going to start with soon. Might be next week, might be the week after. That's a lot of poop. Actually, I call it poo. That's a lot of poo. <laughs> You'll have to come back to hear the rest. An amazing story. What I want you to get today, though, is Jesus came as that little baby, not to stay a little baby, but to grow up, as the video said when we first began. And he grew up. And he learned to love the people that were around him. Even though they hated him, he loved them. Remember the, the scripture, the shortest verse in the Bible, in the New Testament and in the Old? Jesus wept when he looked over Jerusalem because he knew what those people struggled with. And only he could help deliver them. What was impossible for us is not impossible for God. Nothing is impossible for God. A little baby born in a manger saved the world. So as I come to the end, if you'd stand with me, if you can. This Christmas story, it, it, it's, it's a reminder that no, much, that no matter how much pain or suffering you have experienced, And I, I just want to say this. You know, life isn't fair. <laughs> Some of you are amen in that. Life isn't fair. You, you watch some people and it just seems like they've got it all. They've got the wealth. They've got the looks. They've got the jobs. But what I want you to know and realizes that's all stuff. <laughs> that's all temporal. Temporary. But Jesus is forever. And everybody, say that with me, everybody can experience Him as their Lord and Savior. Forget about all those handsome people in Hollywood. Forget about all those CEOs that own these 
gazillion dollar companies. Look at what you already have. Jesus, the Son of God of the Most High. And He's here today saying to you, His children, just invite me in. (laughs) And this Christmas, like no other, will become amazing. And the impossible will become possible. Hallelujah. If you struggle with Christmas for whatever reason, remember that God loves you and that the real present was not under the tree but was hung on the tree for you and me. He took your sins and your pain and made it His own so that you wouldn't have to. I don't have to. And when I think about all the junk that I've gone through in my life, and He just said, Norm, give it to me. Lay it at my feet. And and here's what I want to ask you to do. Take all that pain and all that junk and lay it at his feet symbolically. Just do that. Just, just, just lay it out for him. Like he's right there. Just lay it at his feet. You know, when the wise men came, and this was a couple years later, when they came and they blessed Jesus with all the goodies, the gold and the myrrh, they laid it at his feet. They, they bowed to him. And they laid it at his feet. And that's what I'm asking you to do today. See Him for who He is, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Yes, He was born a little baby, born of a virgin, known as Mary. But that wasn't the end of the story. That was just the beginning. He lived so that He could die for you. What a great God we serve who loves us like that. That He lived so He could die for you and me. And He took all our sins upon Himself. He took all of our pain and all of our troubles upon Himself. He saw your face when that happened. When He was on that cross, your face certainly was in His heart. When He gave up the Spirit and said, It is finished. Can you do that right now? Just take those sins and and the the hurts of the past and, and lay them right there, would you? Just lay them down at His feet. Kneel if you must. Kneel if you can. Just lay them down at His feet and say, Jesus, mighty King, all that I have and all that I am, I give you. Forgive me of my sins. Lord, make me a new person today. And may my future Christmases be a blessing because you are in me. And if you'll do that today, I believe you'll be changed for eternity. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Alan. Lord, you are so worthy of our adoration and our praise. And I thank you for every person today that dedicates or rededicates their life to you, Lord. And I pray that you'll meet them right where they're at. And Lord, that they'll realize, they'll recognize that they have been changed by you today. And fill them, Lord, with your Holy Spirit that they will breathe new life as you live in them and guide them, Lord, into that future promised land. We look forward to the day we're in heaven, but until then, keep us safe from the enemy. Lord, help us to grow in our faith and help us to love our neighbor as ourselves. We love you. Lord, this Christmas, may we be the gift to you as we give ourselves, all of myself, all of ourselves to you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said. That concludes today's message. Merry Christmas.